Amen. Well, would you take the Word of God this morning with me and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts and chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. <clears throat> Before we begin here reading in just a moment, we are coming to the last verses of a few years of study through the book of Acts. But we're not going to be done after this morning. So, oh no, what are you doing, starting over? Well, what I'd like to do is in the next few weeks after this is to take the time to remember the major lessons we learn through the book of Acts. And when I say the major lessons we learn, I'm referring specifically to First State Baptist Church. Uh, the Lord laid this book on my heart in the year 2020. That's when we began the book of Acts. And my heart was that we would see what happened in the first century, what the church was involved in, the message that they preached, uh, the intensity and the zeal concerning the work of Christ, and that we would try ourselves as a church to recapture the spirit of the first century. Now, we're not trying to re-have uh, another Pentecost. There's only one Pentecost, and that's all that is needed and no doubt the book of Acts, uh, that we understand that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So we're not trying to lay down a foundation. Again, it's already been laid. But what we are trying to do is to be faithful to the foundation. To go back to the roots of the first century churches and to say, what is it that we are lacking today in the 21st century as a church? And so... As we look throughout the book of Acts, we've, we can divide the book of Acts in, in several ways. The first way is, is we can divide the book of Acts by those who are prominent in ministry. And you could say that the first half of the book of Acts is a focus on the ministry of the Apostle Peter in Jerusalem, preaching the gospel. 3,000 souls received the word, were baptized, added to the church. And so we see that beginning. But the second half of the book of Acts really is a focus in on the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the church of Antioch. You could break it down by churches, the church at Jerusalem and how the gospel spread from there, persecution, and then the church in Acts, the gospel spread from there by sending out missionaries. We know that there's a first team that went out, Paul and Barnabas, but then there was a little conflict between them and then they divided into two different teams. Uh, and uh, we could even divide the book of Acts geographically. It focuses in, in the first few chapters uh, in the church at Jerusalem, then it goes to the churches in Judea and Samaria, and then the remainder of the book of Acts is throughout the whole world, fulfilling Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You, are, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And so the book of Acts is a historical record of what happened in the first century. As I've said throughout this series, we can look at churches, generally speaking, and say, what has happened to churches? But I'm not concerned about other churches. I'm concerned about this church. And I'm concerned that this church would be faithful till the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Now, since chapter 21 of the book of Acts, we have seen that uh, we're not looking at the ministry of the Apostle Peter with respect to him being a church planter or a missionary, as we would refer to him. But we're looking at uh, Paul in his bonds. And we've noticed some truths throughout those last chapters. 
from the time he was in Jerusalem, remember, confronted by James and the elders, reproved in a sense, are you teaching and preaching this? And we know Paul was not. But then he was at the temple during the days of purification. He was driven out, almost killed by a mob. The chief captain intervened and saved his life, but on his way out, away from the mob, he says, give me a moment to preach to them. And he began to preach to them, but they didn't listen. Finally, the chief captain brought Paul before the Sanhedrin council and to try to hear what was going on. And um, he went back to prison, but then the chief captain heard that there was a conspiracy against Paul. So he sent uh, Paul uh, under the uh, authority of Felix, the governor at that time, and the, those from the council go up and they have this debate, and we know that Paul is stuck in between some politics a little bit because uh, Felix wanted to please the Jews, but at the same time he, there was nothing that he could really put Paul to death for as the Jews were accusing him, and so he left Paul bound for two years until Festus comes on the scene. Festus also is, all, is taken by politics, and he also wants to please the Jews, but he knows now that Paul has appealed to Caesar. He doesn't know what to do because there's no crimes against him. So he comes to King, King Agrippa with the dilemma, and he says, I, there's no crimes that I can write to, about him when I sent him. He's appealed to uh, Caesar. And so uh, he finally takes his journey in Acts chapter 27. We have the shipwreck and what a journey. You'd think it's been three years now for the Apostle Paul and his life personally. And we noticed last week that on the tail end of his journey to Rome, the believers from Rome come down to meet him. And when he sees them, he thanks God and takes courage. And we noted some truths about the Apostle Paul and how we can be encouraged. But I want to read here the remainder of the chapter of the book of Acts 28. If you stand with me, Acts 28, we're going to begin reading in verse 17. Acts chapter 28 and verse 17. The Word of God says, And it came to pass that after three days Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, Though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of, for this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee that thou, uh, what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere... It is spoken against. And when they had appointed to him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet 
unto our father, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed, and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I'd like to bring your attention first of all to verse 23, where the Bible says here, when the Jews came, the, Paul says in verse 23, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them, notice the words, concerning Jesus. And then notice with me in verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to preach this morning a message that I've entitled Concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you as we come to the end of this book. We see that this book is all about what concerns Jesus Christ. His work, the gospel, and how the gospel was first propagated in the first century. Lord, I pray that you'd use the study of the book of Acts to challenge us individually, but also corporately as a church, that we would return to the spirit of the first century. Uh, Lord, help us as we learn the truth, says at the close of this book, that we would be strengthened and encouraged in the work of the Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's an appropriate way to end the book of Acts with the Apostle Paul closing his last two years, the last two years of his life. We know that history teaches us that the Apostle Paul is going to be put to death. But his latter years were not wasted. He spent his latter years investing concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ. When we look through the book of Acts, we realize really that this is, it's not about the apostles, it's not about the church at Jerusalem or the churches of Jerusalem and Judea and the uttermost part of the earth. It's not about those things, although those things are contained in the book of Acts, but the entire Bible is about Jesus Christ. And when we see here his last moments, the apostle Paul spending his last moments, his last years, just concerning Jesus Christ. As people were coming in and out of his uh, house, uh, the Bible says hired house, that simply means that he probably had rented a house. He was also chained to a Roman uh, soldier. And so it's not like we think that he had his own rented house. He couldn't go and walk about free. He could receive people unto himself, but he was not free. He was chained to a, a Roman soldier. But, but as we look through the book of Acts, it seems clear that what comes out of the book of Acts is the ministry, the continuing work of the gospel 
the continuing work of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus, remember, it was in Matthew chapter 16 that he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so the book of Acts is a documentation of Jesus Christ building his church. Uh, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles, and the Bible says Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Now this is important because from the very beginning, even in Acts, when you read the opening chapters as uh, Paul and John are preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as they are faithfully witnessing, the Sanhedrin takes Paul and John and they tell them that they are not allowed anymore to preach or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. And you remember what Peter said. He says, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You see, they stand as witnesses of Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. Jesus says, you are my witnesses. You are going to testify of me. I shared this just recently, but when we think about... Uh, um, uh, religion, generally speaking, but maybe monotheistic religions, those who believe only in one God, we say, well, how do you choose between all of those uh, monotheistic religions? How do you choose between the faith of the Jews and the faith of the Muslims and Christianity? And when I mean Christianity, I'm talking about biblical Christianity. And really the way you choose is based on the evidence. You see, while the Jews believe that Jesus existed and died on the cross, they did not believe that He rose from the dead. The Muslims believe that Jesus Christ existed, but they, they believe He never died. But as Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that He was raised from the dead. The evidence speaks for itself. Uh, those who were apostles in the first century were witnesses, and Jesus Christ brought their attention when He said uh, that uh, as He opened to them the Scriptures, He showed them beginning at Moses and the prophets and the Psalms the things concerning Himself. And what he, Jesus was telling His disciples was that you have seen the Word of God fulfilled before your very eyes. You stand as a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was prophesied in the Old Testament Scriptures. When Paul speaks of the Gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, The Gospel which I preached unto you, he says that Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures. The New Testament was not done at that time. That he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And so the apostles now have the evidence. They are witnesses. They are to bear witness. And they cannot but speak the things which they have seen and which they have heard. In other words, Jesus Christ is the only answer. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. That's what they said. Do you believe that that is still the answer for our world? We come to the close of this book and we see that this whole entire book has been concerning Jesus Christ. And Paul, as he uh, comes to Rome, bound and as a prisoner, he continues his ministry in bonds. And I believe we can learn some things that will help us at the close of this book that might encourage us as we serve the Lord. You see, this ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, how, do we, how can we characterize this ministry? What do we learn from the Apostle Paul in this passage? How are we to engage in the ministry 
concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to give you a number of truths here from the text. Things that we learn if we are to serve in the ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is what happens often in our lives. We get discouraged and we stop serving. Or our service is casual. There is no zeal. Or we get to the place where we become fatalistic, where we say, well, what is will be, and so I guess we can't make a difference. Uh, There is no impact. We can't make a difference in the lives of people around us. Maybe you've tried to witness before and you've come discouraged because people don't listen, and you just stop serving God or stop witnessing all together. Here are some truths we learn from this passage that I believe will help us from the life of the Apostle Paul. And I believe as we look at this passage here, we're going to focus in in on how is it that we are to serve if we are to serve in ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, ministry is not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about Him. He is in view. As we begin in our text, I want us to see here in verse 17 and 18... We see here this in this ministry. Paul comes to Rome. He finally arrives at Rome. It's been a long while, the shipwreck, and the believers in Rome came down, if you remember, to Appi Forum, and then the three taverns, and they met him, and more believers are coming down as he finishes his journey, 40 to 50 miles, to Rome. The believers in Rome who had already received a letter from Paul are accompanying him through the remainder of his journey. And Paul, when he gets to Rome, here's one of the first thing he does. According to verse 17, notice, And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. <laughs> Wait a minute, who does he call together? The Jews. The brethren, he's already met them on the road. But now he gets to Rome, and he calls the Jews, he wants audience of the Jews And uh, this is peculiar to me because if you remember, since chapter 21, who's been the thorn in the flesh in the life of the Apostle Paul? It's been the Jews. They're the ones who brought false testimony against him. They're the ones who had a conspiracy to kill Paul. They're the ones who lied about him, who tried to, uh, uh, to deceive Felix and Agrippa and Festus against Paul. They tried to get the Romans to put him to death. The Jews were involved in that. And now Paul gets to Rome, and who he wants to speak first to is the Jews. Here's what we learn. A ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ means that we do not take time to engage in self-pity. Do you see what he does? As soon as he gets to Rome, and we could say, I'm trying to put myself here in, in, in the flesh, maybe as we often do, Here I'm at Rome, here's been the journey, and man, it's the Jews' fault that I'm here. If it wasn't for the Jews in the temple, if it wasn't for the Sanhedrin council, if it wasn't for those false witnesses, I wouldn't be here and stuck in this prison today in Rome. You see, when we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we understand that ministry is concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, we do not take time to engage in self-pity. Woe is me. Look at my life. Look at where I am. And if it just wasn't for these people over here, I would be just fine. He calls those very people to give Him audience. You see, those who serve the Lord Jesus Christ 
must never take time to engage in self-pity. What is self-pity? Self-pity is about me. Look at how people are treating me. Look at my life. Look at where I've come to. Thinking that there is a better alternative. I remember my uncle Dan, he shares a story that when he was pastoring in Peekskill, New York, he went down to Florida where my grandfather was uh, pastoring. He started a church down there. And so um, uh, my uncle went down there and he spent some time with his father and he sat in the car with my grandfather and he began to talk about a pastor as to how difficult the ministry was and he began to complain about how the people in the church were treating him and how he couldn't make headway in the church. And uh, my uh, and uh, Dan, he'll say that himself. My uncle will say, I was engaged in a pity party. Woe is me. And he says, and my dad pulled up my pant, my, my, uh, the, my pant leg, he pulled it up, and he said, I see no calluses on your knees. What he was trying to tell him is, you don't have time to be engaged in self-pity. You don't have time to come down here. You should come down here and spend some time in prayer, refreshing yourself in the presence of God, because you are involved, son, in the work of God. And the work of God is, is greater than you. There is no time to engage in self-pity. Paul is a prisoner. Much to complain about. He does not take the time to do so. They come together in verse 17. He says unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our Father, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. Notice what he says in verse 19. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. Notice here, he's not saying this. The reason why he's bringing the Jews, we're going to see in just a moment, is to preach the gospel. That's why he brings them. But he is telling them why he is here. He's telling him what happened back in Jerusalem. But in verse 19, he says, I'm not here to bring accusation uh, upon my nation. And what he's saying, my nation, is the, the, peop the Jews. Those that uh, were in Jerusalem. By the way, the custom would have been that the Jews in Jerusalem would have sent a letter to the Jews uh, in Rome who would be able to testify before Caesar against Paul. So he expected them to have received a letter. Now, the Jews don't do that in this case. Why? Well, we already learned earlier. Remember when Paul met Aquila or um, um, was it Aquila and Priscilla? No, in Corinth. Uh, who, I, I, it just escapes me now. Uh, Paul had met in Corinth when he had started the church, Aquila and Priscilla. That's, that's who it was, I think. They had been kicked out of Rome because they were commanded by Augustus to, to leave Rome. The Jews had been kicked out. You see, the Jews don't have a good standing before uh, the emperor at that time. So uh, Paul, they're trying to get rid of Paul. Remember, they tried to kill him, but they didn't send word. They, they're not interested here in uh, sending a witness against Paul. They know they don't have favor with the king. And so here they tell Paul, we've received no letter from us. But notice here what Paul says in verse 19 as he says, uh, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. Here is a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ means that we do not indulge in petty grudges. We do not indulge in petty grudges. Notice Paul says, as I'm, uh, he's uh, rehearsing before them what's gone on, 
uh, really it's been some time ago now, he, this has not festered in the mind and the heart of the Apostle Paul. He hasn't been focused in on what the Jews have done to him. And now as the Jews come, he says, well, if you only knew how they treated me and how they brought accusation against me. He says, here, I'm not here to stand against my nation. I'm not here to stand against the Jew. I have nothing against him. You see, those who serve the Lord should not indulge in petty grudges. But you know, we often use that as an opportunity. Here's what somebody said to me. Here's what somebody did to me. And so therefore now, I have the right to complain. Paul does not do that. I have the right to accuse. By the way, Paul was falsely accused. If anybody had the right to say, hey, I was falsely accused. These people are miserable scoundrels. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm not here to accuse anybody. He had the right to say that. No, I don't have aught against my nation. We don't have time if we're serving God to indulge in petty grudges. I just think of the time when we are going to meet our blessed Savior. Will we have any standing to say, well, Lord, I just, you don't understand. This person did this to me. This person said this to me. And so it just, you know, it just kind of ruined my life. We don't have time to indulge in petty grudges. We continue here in our text. We see in verse 20, he says, For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Here's the reason why I've called you here. I want to preach to you about Jesus Christ. I want to deliver to you the hope of Israel. Verse 21, And they said unto him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken of against. Here's what we learn here. That a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ means a willingness to suffer wrongfully. A willingness to suffer wrongfully. Do you notice here, he's imprisoned, he comes to Rome, the first group he calls for an audience are the Jews, the same people who have accused him, who have stood against him all along. Do you remember his missionary journeys? Everywhere he went, who were the chief opposition? The Jews. In Thessalonica. It was the Jews. Remember, he went down to Berea. The Jews from Thessalonica came down to Berea to chase him out of Berea. The Jews were there, primarily standing against Paul time and time again. And here when he comes to Rome, he remembers the command that we are to go to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everywhere he's one, he's done the same. But he doesn't engage here. He, he doesn't hold a grudge against them. He doesn't have time for self-pity. But he has, uh, as he serves God, he has a willingness to suffer wrongfully and despite his suffering to continue the same ministry that he has, he's had all along. You would think that after a while, Paul would have gotten tired and says, look, every time I go, the Jews, there's an uproar. They oppose me. They lie against me. On and on and goes, no, he's going to continue to serve God and be obedient to God's word. Uh, by the way, this is not having a desire to suffer bonds. Right? Paul was not saying, you know what, I just can't wait to suffer. 
I just can't wait to be in prison. No, that's not what this is. But rather, it is a willingness to suffer. Not a desire to suffer, but a willingness to suffer. There was one thing that Paul could have done to stop the persecution. You know what it was? Stop your ministry concerning Jesus Christ. That's it. He could have stopped the opposition in a moment. It would have been over. The Jews, by the way, would rest content. They said from the very beginning when Peter began to preach, you can continue to serve, you can continue to do your miracles, just don't preach in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing we want you to do. Just take the name of Jesus Christ out. No. Paul, although he was suffering, he continued his ministry concerning Jesus Christ. It's not that he desired to suffer, but that he was willing willing to suffer. All, the Bible says, that all they that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Jesus Christ gave the promise to His disciples before His departure. He says, the world will hate you. They hated me. They will hate you. But He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, if we serve in ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to be a willingness on our part to suffer. Not that we want to suffer, desire to suffer, but that we are willing to suffer. And not use our suffering as an occasion to stop serving God. There's more that we find. Notice it with me in verse 22. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. (laughs) Those are interesting. Uh, Notice they say, we desire to hear what thou thinkest. Uh, They talk about this as we've heard about this sect everywhere. It's being propagated everywhere. And so we'll, we'll hear what you think. But notice what Paul responds in verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day where there came... Uh, where there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. Here it is. Both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Here's what we learn. A ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ means an unwavering confidence in the Scriptures. Paul, tell us what you think. I'm not here to tell you what I think. I'm here to show you what Moses said. I'm here to show you what the prophetess is, and you're familiar with this. Out of all the people, the Jews would be the most familiar with the Old Testament record, and so he is persuading them. And when we think about our boldness, what is it that our boldness rests in? It rests in the Word of God. We don't persuade people because we are smarter than them. We ought never to seem that way when we speak to people. Well, we, we, we don't, uh, not because we are more talented, it is not even because we have an excellency of speech that we can convince someone to turn to Jesus Christ. But the Word of God, the Bible says, is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Paul, when he talks about the gospel, he says, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
You see, a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ means an unwavering confidence in the Scripture. We don't, we're not here because we have ideas, because we have opinions, or because we think something. We are here because we have the foundation of the Word of God. The, it has stood the test of time. It has been confirmed with uh, prophecy after prophecy being fulfilled. And we are Christians today because the evidence speaks for itself. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Scriptures. It's not our opinion. It's not what we think. It's the truth of the Bible. In verse 23, as Paul speaks to them, he says, When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets. Notice, from morning till evening. Here's what we learn about a ministry concerning Jesus. It means a focus, a focus on present opportunities and not impediments. It means a focus on present opportunities and not impediments. You know why he is taking this opportunity? Because he's not engaged in self-pity. He, he's not holding a grudge against the Jews. He hasn't lost hope in the power of the Word of God. And so here from morning till evening, as people are coming, these Jews are coming to Him, He is preaching to them from morning to evening. Here is the opportunity that He has. He's not focused on saying, well, if only I could be free, I could go back to Macedonia. I could go back to Achaia. I could go back to Asia Minor. I could go back to Jerusalem and tell James uh, and the elders there what I was preaching. I could go back and make things right. But God could multiply my ministry according to the book of Romans. His next destination, his heart was in Spain. He was not able to do what God, uh, what, what God, if you would, had put on his heart. He wanted to be in Spain, but now he was in Rome. He was bound. And so here he is not focusing. If we're going to serve God, we must not focus on our impediments, on what we wish we could do or wish we would be at, but we have to focus on our present opportunities. Here is an opportunity. Paul is in bonds. What can he do? Ask the Jews to come to him. During his entire ministry, what has he done? He's gone to the Jews. He's gone to the synagogue. He's gone to the marketplace. He's gone in Philippi by the river bank. He's always gone to where the Jews were. He can't do that anymore. So what does he do? He focuses on present opportunities and not impediments. You know what we often do so that we don't serve God? We come up with excuses. Well, if I just had more time, I could serve God. Well, if my schedule was different, I could serve God. Well, if I had more talent, I could serve God. And we focus our entire, our entire mindset and our hearts on our impediments and not on our opportunities. There's an opportunity for Paul. He takes it. That's a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice as we continue in verse 25, and when they agree not among themselves, the Bible says, verse 24, some believed and some believed not. And by the way, um, a good focus for us, incurred encouragement for us, is don't focus on those who don't believe, focus on those who do believe. But you know what human nature is? Look at all those people that don't believe. I've tried to witness over and over and over again, and people just don't believe. Well, there are some who believe. So well, who? Well, look around you this morning. Look around you. Those are believers. 
You see, the flesh always tends to look on the pessimistic end. We see in verse 25, And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophets unto our fathers. He goes on to say in verse 27, For uh, the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes uh, have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now, uh, here obviously he sees that a good large portion of them are debating this, what Paul is talking about. They're leaving here this time that apparently we don't know the amount of days, but from morning to evening, Paul was expounding to the Jews the things concerning Jesus Christ. Some believed, uh, many believed not, and they were not agreeing among themselves. So now they're having a debate among themselves. That's what's happening. And, And Paul, when he looks and he listens to this debate, here is what he concludes that, there's a, there's a problem here. The problem is the, the heart of man. That's the problem. He says Isaiah prophesied about that. So what do we learn? A ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ does not attribute rejection to God, but to the wickedness of man's heart. Now why do I say that? Well, because sometimes if we're not careful, we get the mindset that, well, the reason why things are not going well, it must be because God is not blessing. No. The reason why maybe things are, uh, people are not accepting is probably because of the wickedness of their hearts. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3? He talked about, uh, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might believe, might be saved. But you remember what Jesus says, says, and this is the condemnation, that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So I don't understand. I don't understand why anybody would reject the gospel. It's so simple. Your sins are forgiven. Why wouldn't you want that? Because of the sinfulness of the heart. That's why men love their sin too much that they reject God. They don't want salvation. They don't want freedom from their sin. They want to continue in their sin. And so here he says it's the wickedness of the heart. Do not attribute any failure in ministry to God with a sense of reaching people, but to the wickedness of man's heart. Paul doesn't say in this moment, well, God, why why did you bring them to me just to reject what I said? Wasn't there an opportunity here? Sometimes if we're not careful, we think, well, I had an opportunity to witness, but the person didn't accept. That means that that was a waste. Oh, no. But that's what we think. Humanly speaking, that's what the flesh thinks. No, a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ does not attribute man's rejection to God, but to the wickedness of man's heart. Verse 30, it says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus. A ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ excludes none excludes none from the teaching and preaching of Jesus Christ. 
Do you see the text shows us? He was there for two years. And received, notice, all that came in unto him. So, in his own hired house, evidently, probably from the funds that he had. By the way, when you read the letter that he sent to the believers in Philippi, he thanked them for taking care of his needs. Well, what need did Paul have? Well, he's a prisoner. He can't work as a tent maker as he usually has, but evidently, the Philippians were involved directly in paying for Paul's rent. He's got, it's a hired house. He's got to pay the rent. Well, who's going to pay it? Well, the believers in Philippi paid for it. He writes that letter to thank them. As he's there in house arrest, and people come to him, he rejects none. All that came to him, he received. All of them. You see, a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ excludes none from the teaching and the preaching of Jesus Christ. You know, it is interesting to see throughout the book of Acts to see God's servant going out to where the people were. But in the closing verses of Acts, we see the people coming to God's servants, to where He is. You see, we have to see, we have to be faithful in going, but we also have to be faithful in receiving. There is not, there is not a person today who is to be excluded from the message of the gospel. There's one final thing we see in the text. At the end, he says, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. You know what we learn if you would read, actually if you turn there, turn with me to Philippians and we'll be done. Philippians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 12, he's writing about his imprisonment and his bonds. And so here is Paul's perspective. Philippians 1. Verse 12, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ it is, is a ministry that operates by faith, and not circumstances. A ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ is a ministry that operates by faith, not by circumstances. Paul is able to look back after some time and write this letter to the believers of Philippi. He says, I know I'm in bonds. You've no doubt prayed for me, but I want you to know. I want you to understand something that you may not have understood up to this point. That the things which have happened unto me have actually benefited the gospel. They've not hindered the gospel. But what if Paul was stuck with self-pity? What if he was spiteful towards the Jews? What, he, what if he was not focused on his present opportunities, but instead of his impediment? Oh no, what God has done, He has used for the furtherance of the gospel. Not only has the gospel been furthered, He says here that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. 
in all other places, the palace and in all other places. And then he says, and not only that, but here's what happened to the believers at Rome. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So there is a revival going on at Rome while Paul was imprisoned. And here he's telling the believers of Philippi, I want you to rejoice with me because my brethren are much more bold now to speak the word without fear. You wouldn't believe what's happening in Rome. Everybody, I can't go, but I'm rejoicing that everybody else can. You see, Paul is not stuck with himself. The work of God is much larger than just one man. As great as the Apostle Paul, we recognize him to be as an apostle, a servant of the Lord, a missionary, all those things, wonderful. But he understood that the work of God was much bigger than him. So let me encourage you, if we're going to serve in a ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, let's not engage in self-pity. Let's not indulge in petty grudges. Let's be willing to suffer wrongfully at times. Let's have an unwavering confidence in the Scriptures. Let's focus on our present opportunities and not our impediments. And let's attribute not to God our shortcomings, but to the wickedness of man's heart. To understand that no one is to be excluded from the gospel message. And that if we are going to serve God, we are going to operate our ministry by faith, not by our circumstances.